everybody. This is Greg Washington, and welcome to Guards Down. Today we have Tiffany Moore from Jackson, Mississippi, who will be interviewing with us and sharing her story. Hey, Tiffany, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. I was born in Jackson, raised in Atlanta. What's up, what's Indeed. up? <laughs> uh, if you give us a brief background of your, your military history, and uh, we can kind of go into, you know, jump into like why we're here. All right. It was a warm, sunny, hot Atlanta day. <laughs> well, I joined the military like right after high school, the summer of 2001, um, right after high school. And uh, I left for basic a week before 9-11. So September 5th, 2001, when I entered the MEP station and headed off to Relax in Jackson. Um, I signed up as an ammunition specialist, originally 55 Bravo, 89 Bravo now. I don't have no clue what it is now. You know how the MOS is, few years. <laughs> and um, I did, I joined regular army. I did, uh, my first duty station was in Germany, Vilsack, Germany. And I got out. I joined the reserves and I was with a bunch of reserve units from South Carolina to Atlanta, from Fort Benning to Fort Stewart. And ultimately, I medically retired out of Fort Gordon as a staff sergeant. And um, I medically retired in 2012. Um, had a slight injury in Air John Kuwait. Me and another female picking up a pallet of 40 mic mics, small ammunition missiles, for those who may not know. And a small accident happened, and I hurt my neck. And three years later, I stopped walking. Nope, it was more than three years later. 2000, and I injured my neck in 04. 2011 is when I stopped walking. And um, I had complained for years about my arms hurting. I used to wake up and be paralyzed from the neck down. And the army doctors told me I was crazy. I was making everything up. There's nothing wrong with me. Ultimately, my C4-5 pushed through my spinal cord, cut off my spinal fluid flow, and ha, I stopped walking. So here I am, X amount of years later, and I'm a medically retired disabled vet in a lot of pain. I understand that, and that is a good bit to go through. So first, I want to say thank you for your service. And next, I am glad you are recovering and, you know, able to walk. Um, I see your background in the back. Uh, can, <laughs> can can you share? What, what What's that about? Shit could be worse. I have t-shirts in my Amazon store on Amazon. Search XOXOTIFMO, T-I-F-F-M-O. But shit could be worse. We all go through shit every day. Life shows up and beats us up every single day. And you have to maneuver through it because you don't want to be stuck and stagnant in that sandbox of life. So I have to remember always, you, I gotta cry, fuss, scream, whatever you gotta do to get through the hard parts. But at the end of the day, shit could always be worse. If you're going home, you have a roof over your head, you have food on the table, you have a family that loves you. It could always be worse because there's a lot of us out there that don't have that. A lot of humans, a lot of veterans, we don't have family, we don't have support. And so at the end of the day, always think about what could be worse and be happy that you're not walking in that path, living in that path, and that's not part of your reality. 
Indeed. So I like that. I love that motto uh, because, you know, a lot of folks tend to always do the what ifs and, and think about, you know, like how bad it is. But you don't realize that, you know, it could have been worse than what it is. And so that's a great motto to have and to stand by. And um, I love the, uh, the Timo. <laughs> So that is awesome. So what I want to talk about is just kind of get into it. You know, tell us some of the struggles that you have been through and how you overcame. I know with the injuries in the military, um, what was the hardest part about about the road to recovery, both physical and mental? Mm. Who says I'm still not recovering because this is a battle of the mind every single day, as I'm sure everyone else has their own battles, but I'm in pain every single day. My arms hurt and all that good stuff. And so the hard part was wondering, because I'm a single mother, I have a son, he's 16 now, but um, how to still parent and be a mother and provide for my child with my medical issues. And that was my driving force. Like, if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? And it was difficult, especially once the doctors started telling me I was crazy. I was making everything up. There's nothing wrong with me. Like, um, I was engaged when it initially started happening. And he, was have, he would have to pick me up and carry me to the bathroom so I can use the restroom. He's to literally wake up and be paralyzed from the neck down. And so to go from that till constantly the doctors telling me, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, it was a battle of the mind every day. Like, I know I'm not crazy. Because the paralyzation only happened on the weekends and, and it only happened at night. Until one day I woke up to get ready for formation and I could not move. So just beating the battle in your mind every day was a struggle, but I had to overcome it because who else is going to provide for me, my son? Correct. Um, so temporary paralysis, and I, I think the hardest mental part was um, folks not believing you. Uh, how how did you how did you deal with that? What was the response to it? I think the the signal messed up. You said how did I deal with what? Uh, with the doctors, and I don't know if your leadership um, not believing you know, the, the diagnosis or that, you know, you would be temporarily paralyzed. How, how did you deal with that? I kept researching. I knew that I could not be the only one out there with these issues. I kept researching. So I prepared my mind mentally for what may happen if they don't treat me, if they kick me out and tell me to go to the VA like the doctor at Fort Gordon did. She was like, oh, Staff Sergeant Moore, you'll be okay. We're going to put you out. You're going to go to the VA. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, no, this is something really wrong with me. You're not just going to be out. And it was difficult. I was down in Med Hold at that time at Fort Gordon when I medically retired. And yeah. hmm? I was going to say you bring up a very great point, And this is for all of those that are on active duty. If you are hurting or in pain, um, don't let the Army kick you out without getting treatment first. Because if you go out, of course, you know, you, you have the VA and other third party doctors and providers to deal with. You're gonna get the best treatment while you're still on active duty. So remember that. 
Yes. Right? So I didn't mean, but I just wanted to, to share that part. But you, you're right. That was a good point. My, my last uh, position in the military, where I did it for three years, and that was the Army Reserve started a program. General Schultz, chief of the Army Reserve at that time, started a program, him and his wife, called the Army Reserve Warrior Family Assistance Center, ARWFAC, the WOFAC is what we called it, AUSARC, which is the Reserve and um, I was the very first soldier hired for that position. We had to go through three interviews. And basically, it was formed because a lot of reservists and National Guard soldiers were coming back and they were not getting treatment that they needed for their medical injuries. Like the military has incapacitation pay, which is like civilian performance comp. A lot of people didn't know about that, especially if you're a reservist and you get hurt on drill weekend, AT, on orders or whatever sort. If you get hurt and injured, there is something called incapacitation pay that will pay you a stipend and you get um, uh, medical coverage for you and your family while you're going through incapacitation pay. And during that time, they decide whether you're physically fit or unfit for duty. And so you have options and they don't tell you that when you're reservist and guard, they don't tell you about these things. People just think that because you're reservist and you get hurt, you get out, you go to the VA, that's it. No, if you're on active orders, Title 10 orders as a reservist or National Guardsman, you have recourse, you have help to get the medical, your medical issues taken care of with financial stability, responsibility from the military. So that is one thing that I always pushed on my soldiers. And so when it came time for me to need it myself, I was well informed and I was like, I'm not going down without a fight. So. Indeed. So I appreciate you sharing that information out there and we'll definitely put a link uh, inside of the podcast um, posting for, you know, soldiers and people to, um, to go and check out uh, the, the program. Uh, another question that I wanted to get into. So with PTSD and complex grief, um, the stigma is, should we talk about it, right? Um, I know that, you know, uh, the motto or a mantra, I guess, in the military uh, is around, you know, if you go to sit call, um, you're weak, right? But I mean, if you're hurt, you're hurt, you gotta go. Uh, so, so the question that I have is, do you think it's okay to talk about your PTSD or your grief or to talk about your issues? Or do you think, you know, um, ripping the bandaid off causes, you know, more, more pain, right? Um, because, you? you know, if you don't huh? talk, how are you ever going to talk about your issues and your problems? We tend to bottle up all our pain and our pain turns to anger. Our pain and anger turns into depression. Our pain, anger, and depression turns into a mental insufficiency, deficiency, mental deficiency in your brain and your thought pattern. So if you do not talk about your issues, your PTSD, your grief, how are you going to heal? How are you going to heal? First, you have to acknowledge that there is a problem. Um, for me, I deployed when my son was six months old. When I returned, he was a year and a half. That was PTSD and grief within itself because my child did not know me. He ran for me. 
for six years, we had a brother-sister relationship as opposed to a mom-son because he did not know who I was and he did not want to be around me. Even though I called him often, he heard my voice, all that pictures were sent, it doesn't mean anything. And so when you're a new mom and you're separated from your child for deployment, you already going to have, that's, that's um, what is it? The baby, baby blues or postpartum depression. So you tackle that on mm-hmm. with being in the Middle East, serving and protecting your country and dealing with the issues out there. Um, as when I was at Air John Kuwait, women were not around, uh, not allowed to go to the restrooms, the latrines at night by themselves because there was a bounty on our head. So you're taking all of these things that are happening in your personal life and now your military life and you're trying, your brain is trying to fix and process everything that's going on so you can be safe first off and get back home and make sure your soldiers are safe and your your teammates your comrades and so it's just like life and military boom hitting you all at once and then you have this injury and they tell you there's nothing wrong they tell you that you're weak if you go to sick call and you're scared to go to sick call because you don't want to look weak especially as a woman in a mostly male dominated field ammunition so it was hell it was hell. Um, I remember I did Army One Source. I don't know if they still do. Army One Source offers six or 12 rounds of uh, mental health therapy of your choosing. So I don't know if Army One Source is around. I've been out since 2012, so I don't know. But I know I utilize them for myself to get treatment. And I didn't even realize until maybe like two months ago that the doctor, the therapist I went to go see, she was military herself because she's in this uh, Women's Georgia Veterans Group. So that was amazing to see that. And I I hadn't seen her since like 2008. So there are options out there for your mental health. To talk about it. Um, I, I say repeatedly that time is like sand in an hourglass. And you know how the sand gets stuck in an hourglass. That's your life gets stuck and stagnant. And during that time, it's for you to seek help, talk to someone professionally, communicate with whoever you need to, start the healing of your minds. Because if you get stuck and stagnant, it's gonna prevent you from your purpose in life. It's gonna prevent you from, from doing what you wanna do. Happiness is always around the corner. But if you stay stuck and stagnant and you don't communicate your complex grief issues, your PTSD issues, your mental health issues, you're not going to progress and your world is going to get dark and no one wants a dark world. I even lost my brother from sickle cell. So all of this and my medical issues are just tackling on one after each other. And it, it got really dark. And... And I had to pull myself out of it if I wanted to fulfill my purpose in this world and, and be happy. Indeed. And so that is, that is enough for one person to go through, to, uh, to lose a brother, to be deployed when you have, you know, a, a brand new baby that's coming to this world and then to get hurt. Um, so you said you went to counseling, right? Which, you know, I and you, we both agree that, you know, a life coach or a counselor is a good thing to have, right? Uh, There's nothing wrong with going out there and seeking help or anything like that. 
with guards down and the iron shoppers arm project that I'm doing, uh, one of the things that I want to push is cultural sensitive therapy, right? And so you brought up a very great point with your therapist that you have. So uh, cultural sensitive therapy is if your clinician or your therapist, if they look like you or if they've been through some of the things you've been through, they can relate with you on a much deeper level and the treatment will be more effective uh, and the dropout rate, of course, you know, will, will decrease. Um, and, you know, the time in which, you know, the effectiveness of the treatment will, will also, you know, increase as well. Uh, so um, I want you to speak on the different therapists and how they were well received. So like for, you know, the, the therapist that you spoke on, um, when you knew that she, you know, been through some of the things you've been through um how did that make you feel did, did the was the treatment more effective versus you know anything else well i did not know she was in the military until that was last month i did not know oh, okay. i saw her in 2008 so um anything happened after my brother passed and around that time like i have totally blacked out like i don't remember much of anything um, I did take a grief counseling and PTSD class while I was at Fort Gordon. It was every Wednesday. The counselors, we had two of them, Mel and Fee, they were not related to the military. And the male counselor was more compassionate about the people in the group and their in our issues, but the female wasn't. Um, I remember we had a session and um, she straight up asked me, she said, why are you still grieving? And I looked around, I said, I know you're not talking to me. And she said, yes, I'm talking to you, Sergeant Moore. I said, what do you mean, why am I still grieving? She said, your brother is dead, he's gone. Why are you still grieving? I said, he's only gone six months. How dare you ask me that? And I was like, and I looked at the mail council. I said, who certified her to be in this class? She was just rude and abrasive to each and every one of us. And she had no place and no business being in that position. Um, so yeah, I think it's very important for the counselors and the therapists that you seek to be able to relate to what you have going on. Because how are they ever going to be able to be empathetic towards you? That's good. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that with the counselor. Um, I know that there is a need for uh, more training. Some of the research that I've done has shown that there is an increase in uh, therapists that are coming into the workforce uh, and that the age of the therapists are getting younger. So for them to be able to uh, effectively treat veterans uh, and experienced veterans at that, uh, is definitely a challenge. So there, there is some, um, some things that you know people have to learn to be sensitive to when, when giving therapy or you know providing care. Um, can you speak a little more on your transition out the military? Mm. Right when, when dealing with this, and maybe share some tips or tools that, you know, that could help someone else that is, um, you know, possibly transitioning out? 
document. Make sure you have all of your documents in order before you leave the military. Make sure you're going to the doctor, getting copies of your medals. Like keep, if you're a reservist or National Guardsman, keeping copies of all your orders. All of that, you need all of that to help you transition out the military. Because first off, you wanna make sure you have all your orders. So when it comes time, if you're getting a medically retirement, which I suggest everyone try to do, as opposed to a severance pay, um, they'll take on all that time and add it to your retirement pay as far as active duty orders. That was the first thing, because of course, you know, the longer you're in the military, the more money you get. The more money you get, the more benefits you get when it's time for your medical retirement, as far as your pay goes. So that's of utmost important. Um, get your copies of your medical records. What if you come 10 years down the line and there's something with you um, and you have no proof? You're going to need that to prove to the VA that, hey, this is, I saw this issue back then. They, things happen. They may not always keep your medical records. So it's always good to have a copy of your own. Uh, when I was on the way out and I was the medical holdover and my job was to basically go to the doctor's appointments, every 30 days, I went and got a copy of my medical records and I would comb through them with a fine tooth comb to see what the doctors are saying about my medical issues. So I can have a better understanding of who I'm speaking to or who's speaking to me when I go see them. Um, what else? I think that's about it. Yeah. Okay, Documentation, okay. medical. Those are good yeah. ones. Um, and don't take a separate if you have to take a severance pay, take the severance pay. But if you take a severance pay, know that you're going to have to pay all that money back before the VA will issue your first check. That's what they don't tell you. That's you have to do your way. own research. Huh? Okay. Well, we have probably about five more minutes or less in you know this session. Um, with everything that we said with guards down with ptsd and, and complex grief uh, what are some takeaways that you want to give you know someone on, on the way out words of life words are life once they leave your mouth you're speaking them into fruition so be careful what you say and what you think i know it can be tough i know it can be hard but you have to beat the battle in your mind grief happens to all of us life happens to all of us and we all have some type of ptsd everyone's reality is not the same so have a little bit of compassion and a little bit of empathy towards the next person and life can be a whole lot better if you let it if you want it indeed well thank you tiffany for coming on to the podcast and sharing with us your story and you know some of your tools and takeaways um with this for all you guards now listeners out there i hope you enjoy you know our first show and i hope you come back and listen to us uh listen to more um this has been an amazing show i appreciate you the vibe the whole energy with this i i, I love it so um, thank you for, for sharing, and I, I really appreciate you. Um, being in the military, you, you, make, you meet some very incredible people, and 
we call them battle buddies. And you just don't know that those battle buddies turn into like long lasting friendships. And, and I mean, it's just amazing. So check on your battle buddy whenever you can. Um, it's okay to go out there and, and, and talk about um, your grief and your pain and it's okay to seek help. Um, and that's the biggest thing that, you know, I want this move or awareness to be about. So um, keep your heads up, stay focused and stay engaged out there. Thank you, guys.